Hey everyone, and warm welcome to the Inner Peace and Happiness pod podcast. Uh, I'm very happy about uh, the growth and that uh, the recent episode. Uh, there have been like a lot, a lot of listeners, and it's uh, yeah, growing very well. And um, what I saw, it's like it, um, and I check the uh, statistics. 82% of the listeners don't follow yet uh, the, the podcast. And this is a normal number in podcasts, but it really helps the podcast to be found in the algorithm uh, if, uh, if more people uh, follow. So if you like the content, please uh, think about following on Spotify or on, on, on podcast. And uh, I promise that I'll dedicate all my energy to bring in the best uh, guests and uh, prepare the episodes very good so that we all learn a lot about inner peace and happiness uh, in this podcast and to fully give everything that I can. And all I'm ever going to ask is just, just for that. That really helps. Today we have uh, a truly amazing guest, uh, Mika Vinchoyski. And he's uh, since eight years, uh, he, he's teaching leadership and uh, teaching leadership in NGOs and helping uh, CEOs. And uh, for him, he learned this skill because everyone has to learn a certain skill now. And he's only 30. So like people would ask how would, he has already so much leadership experience at, at that, uh, that age. Well, uh, he was leading uh, 1,200 people uh, as CEO uh, and 100% online because it was during COVID times for two years. So um, that's a challenge and he managed it very, very well. And uh, yeah, I'm happy to, to learn from him about leadership because we spend so much time at work. And if you have better leaders and if you are led by better people, this actually brings a lot of happiness. And we do like, you know, eight hours, most people by default spend at work. So if we ignore work and the happiness podcast, we, we, wouldn't, uh, we wouldn't fully, fully cover it. So yeah, warm welcome to the podcast, uh, Mika. Thank you, Chris. Happy to be here. Are you ready to start right away with uh, difficult questions? Let's go. Always directly starting deep. <laughs> Perfect. Because, you know, my favorite question is always like um, to ask uncommon advice on, on happiness. Like what, what have you found that, that brings uh, you happiness, which is not like the normal answer that everyone gives, like meditation helps us, we know that. But like what, what's your uncommon advice uh, on happiness? So based on my leadership experience and like leading teams and, you know, seeing a lot of people and leading a lot of volunteers as well, the answer that directly comes to my mind is servanthood or service to put it simpler. And this is for me means the answer to the question for myself, how can I make lives of other people better? Because I was trying a lot of things for myself and seeing what makes me feel fulfilled. Is it, you know, like traveling or this nomad life? Is it... Uh, you know, jumping with a parachute is doing something for myself. And for me personally, that might be my personal answer. Um, and for someone else, it might be something else. But for me, it's when I ask myself, how can I make lives of other people better? Or even everyday life of one person just a little bit better, be it someone from my family, my partner, or a friend, or just a stranger out there. I always feel much happier at the end of the day if I know I've made someone's life at least a little bit better and if you're leading a lot of people then you're kind of making lives of a lot of people better ideally or like you know you're with your podcast you're also making people people's lives better happier so you're serving a lot of people and uh, that's why being here on this podcast and serving your audience and uh serving together with you today that just fulfills me so the whole day for me will be very happy afterwards because I was I know that I've impacted people and I made life feel better. So this question of service um, is um, yeah my my uncommon advice. I don't know how uncommon it is, but 
that is for me. Yeah, it it, it is. That's a really I, I absolutely love love that, that answer. And uh, yeah, servanthood is is huge now. But you say no when you're leading a lot of people, like or in your case, one thousand two hundred people. Now you have the power to make a lot of people <laughs> very unhappy if you're a terrible leader, or make a lot of people very happy. You no, know? it's like yeah. yeah. Like, um, one of my best friends, uh, Alejandro, so I'm recording this podcast here from uh, Madrid and he's living here. And every day he talks to me about how much he learns from his boss and how how much happiness it gives him to have such an amazing boss. It's like one of his biggest sources of happiness of like learning. He's like, I'm taking this job because like the amount of learning and how good he treats people. So like being a good leader is, uh, yeah, it's a source of happiness for for others and, uh, and servanthood in, in general, no? Like... Um, I, I was like when you talk about the purpose of life like I, I did a re retreat that was about the uh, purpose of life no it was a breathwork retreat but one of the topics I already knew mine but like I, I really was curious what people say and there was not a single purpose of like 60 purpose of life not a single one didn't have to do with servanthood it's mm. all about helping others like if you truly find your purpose in life it's uh, very likely about having some kind of things but in some way or another you're helping uh, others and uh, mm. having a purpose is the biggest source of happiness so yeah as a, a very very good good on 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 sorry you're, you're having here and um, yeah i'm very happy with your supporting ceos and uh, help them to build a happy and high performing um, teams and uh, to make make your, your your impact here in in, in the world maybe you can um, share share your, your your story a little bit of how you came there and how you came into this position where you led 1,200 people during two years uh, in COVID times, like fully via Zoom meetings, I guess. So yeah, go explain with uh, what uh, how how your journey was was here. Yeah, this the story. The journey was long. <laughs> I don't know how I was born in 1993. Let's just let's not start that late. Um, so. When I started my university, I studied anthropology, and I found the university in general a little bit too theoretical. And I always felt this urge to surf because my father was, uh, he founded a big NGO uh, back in Belarus, where, where my roots are coming from, uh, like a nature conservation. And I always saw him leading people. I always saw him, you know, creating impact. And he was asking me this question, like, what is pissing you off in the world and what do you want to change? throughout your work and this inspired me to somehow also think okay you know how can i create the biggest possible impact and then in the university i've heard about this organization and friend invited me and then they told me you can develop your leadership skills and you can develop your presentation skills and you can develop all possible skills being there so i've joined first as a regular member as a volunteer and i loved it so much that i've stayed for around four or five years volunteering in different positions i became local vice president the local president these are these were all volunteering roles but i was putting like 15 20 plus hours per week next to my studies and to my work so like i kind of got was it, yeah. <laughs> you were fully in, like, it didn't feel like work for you know it felt like a passion yes and yes yes what's the name of this organization that you joined uh it's called isec yeah a-i-e-s-e-c and yeah, it's like yeah, Nearly all universities, no, in 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 the world or in in Europe, where where it's 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 globally the biggest youth organization, youth-led organization, and works with the United Nations and like in Germany, for example, it has also partners like PwC, uh, Ernst and Young, and so on, like big names, Deutsche Bahn. Uh, so it's it's very famous and very big and has a lot of impact. 
And uh, I've joined in Germany. I was studying in Berlin, so that's where where I've started from. Um, but I've also been been globally with organizations like in Portugal, India, uh, and wherever you go, you meet people from there because it's it's global. So that's that's a side nice side effect about it. Yeah. So I've I've started locally and engaged a lot, and somehow got into the you know got famous <laughs> nationally was like you know knowing when you have a big network you know everyone else in the organization they go to a lot of conferences offline conferences mostly and then i felt like yeah, i want to give contribute more and i want to give even more so i applied for the national board which was uh it's like a national executive board it is already a paid role and it's double full-time you actually get paid minimum wage because it's the or like around minimum wage because it's the it's a volunteering organization mostly it's a non-profit NGO but you work a lot in this <laughs> in, in all the roles and uh yeah so I got selected first I applied as a president I got not elected then I applied for the national board as a vice president I was uh, uh operational office like COO you could say for two products for a year and then I applied again for the national president role or the CEO uh, in that sense and for them from the second time I got elected and the, I got elected in the early 2020 before the whole thing happened and then after I already got elected I still had half a year until it would start and then the whole thing started happening you know with lockdowns and stuff uh, so I understood okay I will have very interesting term because it's always one year uh, we'll have to like reimagine the whole organization together with uh, our 1000 members and uh, yeah, that's that's what was happening afterwards. It's you know the st step by step journey every year, getting like a little bit better. When I when I joined, I couldn't imagine that I would be there at the very top. But like every year, I was more self confident and understood better what type of leader am I? Can I do that? Um, yeah. All right. So basically, uh, you had one year of, of of term as president, and in this year. Uh, you had to really learn first how to be an offline leader and how to be the online leader and uh, get all these 1,200 people together. And uh, yeah, but, but uh, I'm, I'm curious about this organization I had also at my university, but uh, I, I never joined, probably sh should have. I, I like those kind of things. What, what, what's the mission of it? The mission states we work to achieve peace and fulfillment of humankind's potential. And it comes from the mission comes from uh, probably it was you know, not exactly put like that. It's always changing. But uh, organization was built in 1948 when Europe was shattered after the Second World War. And students from different European countries, they came together and thought, how can we prevent this type of conflicts from happening ever again? And their answer at that point of time was intercultural exchange, because you know, in the Nazi Germany, it was the whole philosophy was built on hatred against some specific groups of people. And they thought if you already know those people very well, you know, if you went there, if you lived in the family of like a different nation, a different culture, you will not have this thought of them being the ultimate evil, right? So they started sending people abroad to different countries. And then at one point, they realized, oh, okay, leadership is also a great thing. Because if we put people with these positive values into leadership positions all around the world, then these people who already experienced intercultural exchange and already got these positive values from the organization, they will not come up with the idea of attacking another country or like, you know, uh, pushing hatred against some specific group because they will have these positive values represented in them. Um, so that's how this fulfillment idea and the peace idea came. And fulfillment, if you're fulfilled, why would you even be aggressive towards someone else, right? If you have this like deep inner peace, 
then the external piece will come from this inner piece. And um, I, I believe it's a beautiful idea. And I always felt very inspired by this mission. That's how I stayed there for seven years. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. It's all about creating organizations with a mission that get people inspired now and uh, that people want, 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 want to live with that values. And uh, yeah, it's very, very fitting for the Inner Peace podcast now. Like, yeah, but the mission is uh, peace for humanity by basically getting everyone to to feel well about them, them themselves no because why would you like why if you let's say now like after the second world war no they did a lot of um things that germany and france can never have a war again now in germany nearly everyone's learning french in french people are learning german and then if you have a lot of friends in the other country uh, now like it's unthinkable there will be ever a war between germany and france uh, so and um, yeah and if people if the leaders feel a lot of inner peace uh, they also in like normally wars get started by by fear no um and the, if you have inner peace you don't have fear by definition right so yeah that's a very very beautiful beautiful thing what what did you learn uh in in, in what what was your your biggest fuck ups you had in involves in your term as president and uh, you can share so people don't have to repeat those and uh, what what positive things did you learn that you can share about leadership yeah wow great question about fuck-ups i had so many we will not, not have enough time to cover all of them but um i think most most of the fuck-ups were actually connected with relationships with people i had uh on my team because as you can imagine you know if you're in the national board of a huge organization with 1000 people i had um so these 1000 people they were all volunteers right and then i had a team of eight full-time employees who were on this national board. So I was the president, they were the vice presidents for different operational roles for business development, finance, and so on. And uh, this is a mistake that I was constantly, that I kind of repeated from a different, like from my time as a local president, was that I focused too much on like, you know, systems and strategies. And whenever I got into a new role, I kind of somehow forgot what I've learned in the previous one sometimes. So in my first role as a president, I realized, okay, I, I'm more of this, of this extroverted people person. So I really need to focus more on building relationships and, uh, you know, building a great connection inside of my team. And that's my strength. And then when I became the national president and, you know, all the crisis happening, I thought like, okay, I need to save the organization. I'm, I'm the final responsible as a CEO, right? Like I have the hundred percent ownership. And I somehow got too distracted by like, you know, trying to figure out a solution for the problem. And I put too little time in building relationships with every of my employees. And as we were working very intensely together and like this, you know, uh, the lockdown happened. So we're most of the time, we're also living together in like shared flats in, in Bonn in Germany. So when this, this whole thing happened, we were like constantly living together. So the connection was intense and I missed this moment of building personal connections with some of my team members. And it turned out to be a big mistake later on because I couldn't connect so well with them anymore. And we had some misunderstandings and like this lack of psychological safety between me and some specific people in the team led to some toxic behaviors later on. And it was also much harder for me to lead them because I didn't feel psychologically safe either because we had this like, you know, the conflicts happening. And I realized that psychological safety, and that's what I'm teaching now as well, is the foundation. If you're not feeling psychologically safe, or if your people don't feel psychologically safe on your team, it's very hard for them to be happy. It's very hard, hard for them to be high performing. 
because it's not just about them being able to do the job, like you know, write the code or you know do the sales, but it's about the feeling with which they're coming to work every day. And if every day you're coming with a feeling, oh, I hope I will not meet this, uh, you know, my my boss in the hallway, and we, I don't have to talk to him, or like you know, we'll hide, or oh shit, we're having this like alignment meeting today, and I totally feel anxious of going there, and I had this feeling even as a boss myself being anxious about going into some of our team reviews because I had people on the team who were, you know, constantly uh, criticizing me for not being efficient enough in those meetings. And I've, I've tried to improve, but then I developed this anxiety of like, oh, oh no, the meeting is happening today and they will criticize me again. So I was, you know, <laughs> deeply unhappy at some points of my time, even though I wanted that and even though I was super fulfilled and from the point of, mission of the organization right i felt i'm serving i'm helping people i'm you know responsible for 1000 people that's all i dreamed for a year ago but then because of lack of the psychological safety and good relationships inside of the team i was dreading some of my days and some of my weeks and it was like a period later it got better it kind of like figured it out as a team but uh, there were some points that were really tough. So this is the biggest advice ever. Focus on building good relationships, building psychological safety inside of your team so that you can build everything else. It's, that's the foundation. And it's always, whenever I didn't do that, whenever I didn't put enough time into it, I considered that as a mistake later on. Some strategic mistakes are fine, right? You can, you can fix them. But this is very hard to fix. And it's hard to build in the beginning. But if you don't do it, you will regret it afterwards. So in your role as a, as a leadership coach, now if one of the CEOs of a big company asked you, like, how can I create more psychological, psychological safety for, for, the, for, for my, my, my employees, um, how, what, what advice would, 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 you give, would you give to them? And by the way, so for me, it's new the term psychological safety. Uh, it makes a lot of sense, but I've never heard it. So maybe also some of the audience never heard it, but it's a very interesting con con concept. And I think I might even use it for the, for the title of the, of the, pod, the podcast. I really, it's a very interesting uh, concept. And I was like, yeah, why did why did I never why did I not more people talk about it? So, what what advice would you give to uh, to a person, a CEO who wants to bring more psychological safety? It's like elimination of of fear. But what are the exact steps now on a, on a day to day basis? Mm -hmm. That's a very good question. Um, so first. A little bit to the term, maybe some of you've heard about this Google study. Google is, is known as one of the best companies in the world, right? Like one of the most uh, innovative and crazy of their culture, like the Googlers who are super excited about, um, about what they're doing. And they did this study of a lot of teams and checked what are the factors that make a team truly high performing, right? Because even in Google, you can rank the teams. This one is more productive, this one is less productive. And the number one factor, there were five factors, but the number one factor was psychological safety. And what it means exactly is that when you're participating, let's make an example of a meeting, I'm participating in the meeting and you're my boss. And you as a boss, you're asking, so guys, and, and people who has what type of ideas about this topic and psychological psychological safety is about what will i as a member of the team think and feel in this moment because if for example last meeting i contributed an idea and then you said what a stupid idea or like who how did you even come up with that like it's ridiculous i was humiliated so i felt offended most probably my ego was hurt 
and my inner child or whatever whatever you call this you know like our our ego our inner monkey felt like okay i did that and then i was faced with aggression it means that it's not the right thing to do in this group of people right so like sharing my ideas is not safe it means sharing my ideas leads to pain why would i do that because we as we as humans we tend to look for gains look for pleasure and avoid danger avoid pain right that's like our basic mechanism so in this next meeting if you ask who has any ideas i will not be that engaged and i'll be like yeah whatever you are do you have any ideas if you have an idea i'll just support your idea and i will not be as creative i will not be as happy in this meeting so you know talking about happy meetings the that would be the opposite of it so you as a boss would most probably come to the meetings and feel like why is not why is no one contributing why you know our meetings are boring so i I just have to put in my idea and uh psychological safety would be if i come to the meeting and i know hey i can contribute i will see i will feel valued i will feel validated by others for my ideas even if my idea is stupid i will still say it because it's about you know this general field of ideas so the psychological safety is this general factor that enables creativity, that enables ownership, that enables happiness, I believe, in the workplace um, in the first place. So how we do it is, um, first of all, in the very beginning, when people are joining your team, you have to put some effort into getting to know them personally. So as a CEO, if possible, come there, you know, greet the new recruits, greet your new people, you know, shake their hand, whatever is appropriate to your culture and uh say hey my name my name is mika i'm the ceo super happy that you're joining the team you know you have to be genuine in, in what you're saying and just ask them about their personal life so like hey what did you do before how are you feeling here how were your first days right like show show interest in people this is the first step second mm -hmm. what we usually do with teams we have exercises that build psychological safety and purpose and usually it's better with some external coach or external trainer because they create this safe space for you so which for you, for you if you go to a company you, you would do that with them right That's exactly like... exactly so I, i'm this third person and for my teams i was getting a, a third person as well it's not that you know i'm like the, the super super human and i always did it myself oh, okay. I, yeah. I did it myself sometimes and i realized it's just too tough if you're if you have to connect with people but at the same time you have to you know keep the overview and lead people through the agenda so a lot of different roles are very tough so that's what i'm doing i'm going into the team and then i'm i'm mo talking with the ceo beforehand and mostly i also do an assessment with the team to see where do they stand in psychological safety like i have a specific test and then people answer the questions and then based on the answers i see ah, okay they are not that connected the psychological safety is low uh, so we have to do more there uh, and it's like it's called five dysfunctions of a team the concept and the base of it is psychological safety or trust and yeah then we do different type of exercises which help to build vulnerability between them right so me asking you what do you regret most in your life what was your happiest childhood moments you know this type of things you have to be careful to not trigger any any like memories and stuff so mostly big safe questions but for example what are you most proud of in your life right this type of questions they help people to become vulnerable and then a vulnerability loop is created so if i'm vulnerable towards you i'm sharing something vulnerable with you you're hearing it and you're not attacking me for that like not laughing about me then i know okay it's safe to share things with you right and then you're sharing something with me and i'm like oh he's also vulnerable towards me so i will 
respect him and you know show my my appreciation for his name. It also gets the whole team more connected, no? So everyone feels more connected with everyone, and then the sharing flows more open. Exactly. So like creating these vulnerability loops outside of work. I mean, it's part of work, but you know, outside of meetings helps you to be to feel more safe afterwards. So this is the first thing. Would we'll go through specific exercises that help build this vulnerability and psychological safety in the team. And so this is the first part about personal connection. The second part is about all the pros, everything that happens afterwards, because what some leaders do, they, you know, have this nice exercises and they connect with people and they're super vulnerable. And then they come to meetings and they do meetings exactly as they did before. So, you know, they're judging, they're being passive aggressive, they're being sarcastic, they're, you know, cracking jokes on the expense of other people. So they're like, you know, we've connected now I can <laughs> be an asshole again. So we also work on changing the processes after of like, you know, how their meetings are being done and so on. So like, how are you collecting ideas? Uh, one simple trick is never say your ideas as a first, if you're a leader, always wait until everyone shared their ideas and then, you know, make a summary and then see how you make the decision. Maybe make a democratic decision, maybe, you know, ask someone else to do the decision. So the more you outsource to your people, the mostly the more fulfilled they're feeling because they have more ownership, but never the big mistake is to come into the room and say, okay, probably people heard this, uh, this many times, you know, as a CEO go in and say, okay, I think we should do this and that anyone has anything against it. And then most of the people will be like, well, you already know, <laughs> you already made up your mind. I won't fight you. So they just mostly comply. And then it's like, okay, great. Thanks. And you're going out of the room. So this type of behavior is just destroying the the engagement and psychological safety. So it's about personal building personal connection and then having systems and structures and processes, routines that support that and don't destroy what you've built in those personal workshops. Okay. I I, I have a question on on, on this. Um so when you when you think about it, um psychological safety is a lot of like not 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 criticizing people in, in a meeting or in in a group, no. But sometimes you, you have to like uh, criticize people for, for them to to learn. No? Like if you always just tell them like what is what is what they do great, they'll never understand what, what they can improve. No. So um one one concept I learned, and I want to check from, from you from the, from the expert uh, if it's true, but you should always uh, when you give praise to someone, someone did something very, very good, uh, give it publicly, be like, ah, and look at uh, Look at me, 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 Rhea, of how, how well she's doing this. And like, like, like you do it in front of the whole, like in the whole Mela office or something, for example, no? in, in, you know, in big, big rooms. Mm. And if you criticize, you do it uh, um, very in person, like in a one on one conversation, maybe like for a coffee somewhere in the office kitchen or like in, 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 a, in a meeting. And you would also say something good, but they do good, then criticize and then say something good again. Um, but this is what I, I, I have learned. So can you maybe from your expert perspective, what, what, what more is, first of all, is that true? And what, what, what else uh, can you add? Like how, how do you criticize someone when you have to, because there are places that you have to. Mm -hmm. That's a great, great topic. And what you said, criticize in person and praise publicly. It's a good concept to remember. Like it, it's easy to remember. I would say in general and like the, the feedback uh, loop that we've described first start with something positive then give the criticisms and finish with something positive in general it's okay right it's it's better than just coming and saying this and this uh is, is bad and then leaving the room right so definitely better than this but it's all situational 
right? Like we tend to simplify concepts. So in simplified way, uh, it's correct. Uh, but there are like more sophisticated models, which you can learn, which will increase the, um, the effectiveness of what you're doing. So let's start with this, like praising and criticizing. Sometimes imagining you're having a meeting where, where someone brought in the idea and everyone else has to give feedback to it. You cannot constantly, you know, like do this, this feedback loop. So in, in, for an effective team at one point, after you've built a basic psychological safety, you need to learn to be, there is this great concept in the book called radical candor where you're honest with people and you're direct, but in a very respectful way and in a very, like, let's say, polite way that does not offend people. Because you could say, what you did is shit, and it's very offending, but you could say, hey, I like this part, and like this is really good. Um, I think this and this and this could be better, right? Because some people don't even... They, even with this, like, feedback sandwich, how it's called, right? Like, positive, negative, positive, they manage to make the positive and positive so thin and make the negative formulate the negative in a way that uh you know people call it shit sandwich <laughs> you know, just like yes give people shit but put some nice cover on it but it still tastes not doesn't taste nice so uh on that there are some more models that help you to depending on what type of feedback you're giving if you're giving feedback on you know a project then it's a little bit less if you're giving feedback on behavior then there is this model called power burger like um it comes from german which is like oh positive and this positive part is building psychological safety for the person right you're saying because most of the time if you will say to your employee let's have a you know quick quick call most people will feel anxious because they will think okay am i getting fired or something <laughs> so in the beginning you have to create this like positive emotion which calms down our inner lizard brain right like our our inner for, for me as a practical example because i always like to learn from practical examples yeah let's say um uh, you, you're the leader of a team of, like, let's say, 12 people, no? And uh, and you provide psychological safety to them. But then five of the team members come to you and be like, this person, uh, let's call him Mike. Uh, Mike is, uh, is like, uh, always criticizing us or, like, not, we don't feel psychologically safe with him. But now you have to have a meeting with him to kind of criticize him or, or like, or help him or to teach yeah. him this. So you have to like how how would you go about this conversation? How would you seek this conversation, and how would you you frame it? That will be like a practical example of how how to yeah how to make it work. Very good. So uh, first, of course, meeting in private because if you face the person in public, it will be a disaster, especially if the person has very negative behavior traits. Then I would start with again the positive side. So I would see what is good about the person. So I would say, hey, I really appreciate your contribution. You're delivering good results, if that's true, okay. of course. Let's say um, like he's the best program of a company. Like he exactly. Amazing writing code. So yeah. Yeah. So I would be like very honest to say, hey, you're you're a high performer. You're great for the company. We really like everyone in the team respects what you're doing. Uh, there is one thing that I would like to address that is not connected to your like functional performance but this is about the your behavior in the team and impact it has are you open to receive it sometimes like depending on the person sometimes you can even ask for a permission to give feedback and if the person gave you permission then they're mostly feeling safer because you know they're already open for that so i was like are you are you open to hear the feedback then you would say yes and then i say okay so uh, let me give you some examples in this situation yeah, so it's it's always good to go on with examples rather than say generalistic things say it's like you have a shitty behavior in the team or like you're a passive aggressor or something so i would say um so in meetings 
Um, so on that meeting, for example, when people shared their ideas, you said you said it's bullshit, or you know when when this guy. Uh, or like Olga shared her her thoughts on that. You like criticized her a lot without you know give, providing any constructive things. So I would give some examples. Um, so like the you know my observation, or in German that would be wahrnehmung, like my perception of of what's happening. And yeah. then I would say it makes um, like we then um, how it makes me feel. Yeah. And I would say it, it makes me feel unsafe in the team, and it makes me not want to share my ideas and this is you know what other people feedback me as you know as a manager uh, and it just makes my experience in the team not as pleasurable as it could be and uh, i wish so wunsch or wish for the next w of the power burger i say i wish that in those moments when people are sharing their ideas sharing their their feelings that you would react with respect that you would not directly criticize it but you would you know i describe exactly the behavior I want him to have instead of the behavior that he has. So I give him very clear action steps on how to improve, right? Not just saying you have a shitty behavior change because most people just do it because they, they're, you know, that's the only thing they know. Um, <clears throat> so I'm telling, giving him exact uh, examples of how he could behave differently. And then I say, if, uh, if you would behave in this way, there's like Vyakum uh, or, you know, the final result, people will feel more safe. They will, you know, like you much more, will have better results as a general team. And, you know, our performance will increase and your, you know, your functional area will be even more respected because people will also you know, appreciate you personally and they will appreciate that you've changed, that you've been open to change. Um, is it is it cool for you, right? And the most, like most people, if the person will have negative reactions toward that, then you hire then you hire the wrong person, and like over time they might destroy your team. They're very toxic. Most yeah. people behave negatively because that's how they're they behave their whole life and they don't know anything else. So your responsibility as a leader is to address it as soon as possible. Like when whenever you see like even small negative behaviors, and support people in changing that and say, I'm here with you. I will support you in changing. I can give you feedback after every meeting. I really want you on my team, you know, give people reassurance. Say like, I don't want to get rid of you. I'm telling it to you because I respect you a lot and you're a great professional and I want you on my team. And this is the only thing that is, you know, somehow uh, bringing, sh putting shadow on, on your performance and on your career growth. And I, I want you to be better. And I'm, I'm having my back to, for you to improve. Uh, do you have like do you have any questions how can i support you better right so like it's a totally different vibe from saying you're <laughs> you're you're a bad person because that's not the case that, that's, that be yeah that, that really yeah that was very very great 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 advice uh i i could take a lot, a lot of um, value from 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 that answer and also particularly um i love the part of asking for for permission first that's like uh it makes all the difference you're you're fully right now, uh, my follow-up question on this is like, I, I, I believe a lot um, that uh, people are, are able to, to, to change, no? It's always, uh, it always uh, takes a while and so on, but like people are, are definitely able to change and uh, in the workplace, probably even a bit easier than uh, in private life where the change takes, takes a bit longer. Um, but now, now that let's say, um, obviously, it's a bit um, optimistic to think, okay, now this person who's always he's a great programmer but he's always like uh, criticizing people and if i have bad ideas that uh, 
like he's very optimistic to say, okay, now I explained it to him nicely one day and he's always going to do it. Like he's not going to sometimes just forget about this and be like, oh, no, this is a shit idea because when he sees a bad idea. Um, so then now let's say it, it uh, there's one week later, there's another, another meeting and uh, someone proposes an idea and he's right away, no, this is bullshit. I mean, he's like, he remembers, but like, he's like, he already said this is bullshit. So like how now, how do you deal with that now? Like how, that would be like a, uh, do you then say in, in in public, hey, like we talked about this, we don't criticize or whatever, or do you again go into pride? Like, what's a good way to then deal about it when a person is willing to change, but it's like still like a process, no? Mm -hmm. It's it's a great question. Again, it's situational. Let's take the situation that he really wants to change, and you know he he realized that. A super powerful thing is when this person comes to the meeting, like to the next meeting after this conversation we had, and says. Um, hey guys, you know, uh, I've heard your feedback. I appreciate a lot that, uh, you know, you gave this feedback because, you know, I'm, I'm trying to change. I'm willing to change and I really want to improve. Imagine hearing it from someone else in the team that's super vulnerable, right? So you show vulnerability and this showing vulnerability restores the trust in the team. So people are usually willing to give him another chance, right? Mm -hmm. So then he says, um, it, it's not that easy for me and I would really appreciate you if you know if that happens again I, I will do my best that it doesn't happen and like that's my promise uh if it happens again let's have some way of dealing with it on the team so that they, you give me direct feedback or you know i can apologize directly or something but i'm really willing to change you know i want to be part of this team i want to you know give you guys the best possible team experience right like so first of all super powerful to hear that from someone else i would feel like oh wow like he really wants to change so I would come from this position of being a victim of his behavior. I would come more to the position of I'm a supporter of his change, right? As a part of the team, because everyone has some flaws and like, you know, this is a great guy and I want to work with him. So whenever this happens, uh, the team can come up with a behavioral reaction. So whenever he says that, some, some of the team, you know, says, hey, you just did that. Or like, you know, they have a secret word like pineapple they say like pineapple <laughs> and then he knows oh fuck i did that again so he would say uh uh oh uh, sorry guys that wasn't intentional uh, please please excuse me right so it will like it would take the pressure away from the situation and i as the leader can also jump in and say pineapple you, you just did that and then the person would apologize and they would go on and like over time you know like paulov's paulov's dog like you you people can change their behaviors and usually if you're a very good programmer like you're pretty smart so even if you're missing some of the emotional intelligence that you know other people might have logically you can still reprogram yourself just like like a computer so like the more you repeat this good behavior or the more you stop yourself from this negative behavior the easier it will be for you right so um that's how i deal with that i would make it a topic on the team if if people already came to me as a team and gave this feedback then it was a big issue right but normally people would maybe approach him personally so then i would uh, suggest this person to actually have this conversation with the team and then the team taking it forward as a you know as their common common group rule and whoever does it because usually it's not just one person many people do it. whoever does it they have this secret word or you know they have this instant reaction because if I give it the feedback two days afterwards, it doesn't change that much. Like it has to happen right away after I do something. Like, you know, <laughs> like a dog, if the dog eats something and then you tell it two days later, like, oh, you ate it, the dog will not understand why you're punishing her. But yeah. if you do it right away, the dog will be like, oh, okay, probably my behavior is connected to this punishment.
So the same works with people, right? You need to tell them in, in some moments right away. Or, you know, the last resort is writing a direct message on Zoom so that no one sees that and be, or like on WhatsApp privately saying like, hey, you just did that again. And then the person just, you know, realizes and says, like, oh, okay, sorry. Uh, that, that, that's a good one. Yeah, you wrote privately write in pineapple, <laughs> exclamation mark. <laughs> pineapple. <laughs> nice. Yeah, now talking about 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 Zoom 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 meetings or or general meetings. No, so you also have your your own your own podcast, and uh, there was one episode that I was checking out. It goes happy happy meetings and effective meetings, like effective meetings, but that are are fun and 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 you get a lot of things things done. So maybe can you what 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 can you share? How because I think nearly everyone is listening to this podcast sometimes has to go through through Zoom meetings. So how can Zoom meetings be, be more fun, more, more effective, or general meetings, no? But please uh, share all the knowledge so we can all, all learn, learn from this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. First of all, like a general thing I would say to that is that every team is different, right? And you have different individuals. So I will share uh, in a second the general flow that uh, most meetings can benefit from. But the best thing is from the beginning on to discuss with your team and say how how can we make our meetings the most effective so that we take the most out of it? Because some people have like 15 minutes step up. So obviously you don't need to have the whole structure, um, but some people do 15 minutes step up and then it escalates into 60 hours meeting, 60 minutes meeting. And then people are like, uh, actually at other meetings to, to have. Uh, so the best thing is sit down with your team and say, how can we make this specific meeting most effective? What type of structure do we want to have? And if everyone agrees, perfect. Um, in general, structure of the meeting that um, you can have to make it happy and effective, first of all, is a short personal check-in. And, and people will say, yeah, on Monday, ask how was your weekend? And people say, great, that's the real check-in. But actually, it gives people this initial psychological safety, you know, to check in, to, to share. If someone has something to share, if, you know, my cat died on this weekend and I'm, you know, and I'm still grieving, then I say, hey, my, my cat died. I'm still a bit sad. People understand why I'm not that active, right? And it's important for people to have this moment to share about their current state. Some people don't don't give a, anything about it, but for some people, it's, it's, it's really important to be like, hey, right, I don't know, I, I didn't sleep well, my baby was crying the whole night. So sorry, guys, if I'm not that, that you know, that engaged. So like having this initial part at the very beginning of meeting is crucial. Then secondly, usually it's a functional check-in where people are sharing quickly what they've done and it can be done in different ways, but mostly it's like check, not check. Um, sometimes the moderator of the meeting doesn't have to be the leader of the meeting. Actually, it's one of the tips, um, switch moderator positions so that everyone on the team can have this experience of being a moderator because they will it will increase their empathy towards the moderator in general or towards their leader because they realize, they will realize okay it's not actually that easy to you know to moderate <laughs> so they will be having more respect in the future and like be generally more engaged in the meeting to see okay it, if you're a moderator and no one replies to your question it's not that nice so they will be more active so try to like switch the moderator position but then moderator just goes through the checklist, what had to be done since last week, if it's like a weekly check-in and everyone says check, not check. And if it's not check uh, and someone has a question about it, they could say, I didn't do it because you know another priority appeared. So this and this will happen. Um, then the next part is mostly the agenda collection. 
So you either you do it before the meeting. I, I personally find it the most effective if people write the agenda points before the meeting. So what I always did on Slack, I posted a message saying topics for meeting next week, Monday. And I posted it right after the meeting last Monday. So people can comment under it, right? There is this comment function. And then before the meeting, I go through the comments and I just make a the agenda list. And if there is something else, people still say, oh, okay, the coffee machine in the office, I put it on the agenda, right? So then I have 10, 10 points. And the yeah, second part, except from psychological safety and meetings is effectiveness, right? The more effective the team meeting is, the, the nicer it is for everyone, like the faster they're done and the faster they can go to work. And then I go from one to 10 in a very effective manner. So I say, okay, topic one, coffee machine, who put it? Um, okay, Chris, you put it. What do you need from from the others? And you say, I need $10 from everyone to buy a new coffee machine. And then I say, okay, um, do, what, what exactly do you need right now from this meeting? And then you say, I want everyone to like do thumbs up or thumbs down if you're in into buying a new coffee machine. And then everyone just shows thumbs up or thumbs down. You say, we're 10 people, six put thumbs up, four put thumbs down. You say, okay, cool, then let's buy it. Is it okay if everyone who put thumbs up, who drinks coffee by like give $15 instead of 10 because four people don't want to do it. Everyone put thumbs up. Okay, cool, decided, let's go. Instead of having half an hour conversation, do we need the machine, do we not need the machine? You think of what is the most effective way to take this decision and you just do it as fast as possible. And if you realize, oh, it takes too much time, then I, I give, I as moderator give, I say, okay, we have two minutes for this topic. And if it escalates, the two, if it's bigger than two minutes, I say, um, who do you want to discuss it with? Let's have a separate meeting for that because we don't want all the 10 people discussing the coffee machine for an hour in this and weekly if, meeting. And if, if you find a rule, uh, uh, um, if a person uh, is the, the, the meeting organizer, uh, like, of course, he is in charge of his like two minutes left. But if, if it's just a general meeting, then it should be you as a boss, in this case, who, who has to be in charge of this, like two minutes and then we decide, no? Or who, who, who should typically be that person who is like checking the time and uh, yeah, get, getting it. Can, the, it can be, yeah. No? Yeah, it can be the moderator. It can also be a special person. If you know that you as a moderator, you're too kind and it's hard for you to interrupt people. Like <laughs> it's very hard to interrupt people. So I would appoint someone on the team who is like, you know, tough and say, okay, um, this person would always ask, how much time do you need? Or how much time do we have? And we'll say two minutes. Then it will take the phone, put the timer. Even sometimes some people even show it <laughs> so that, you know, people have a little bit more of this time pressure. And then it's like, okay, ten, two minutes are over. What are next steps? And either you make another small meeting with like three or four people, or you say, I will write a message on Slack, please react. And then you go to the next topic. Right, so someone someone has to be the time manager because otherwise meetings will always escalate. It doesn't have to be the same person. You can split, you can split the roles. You can have a focus. So a role split is also a good good trick. You have a moderator. You have a, someone who is writing a protocol because a meeting without protocol didn't happen. <laughs> then you have someone who is time person. They always check the time and say, okay, we just have fifteen minutes left. We still have five topics. Let's speed up. And we have a focus person uh, if they realize, oh, we talk about the coffee machine for 10 minutes instead of two. Um, should we move on? You know, they can write in the chat or they can just say it. So you see what type of roles you need in your specific meetings with your team constellation. And then you appoint these people and you appoint people who are actually good at it because a time person who is themselves always escalating conversations will not be very helpful um, or it would help them to improve <laughs> their focus. So you have like this super strict agenda and then for every topic you see 
what type of decision making process is best for this sometimes it's just like you know thumbs up sometimes you say i need two people to discuss it with who would like to volunteer okay next topic and whenever you get stuck you see if this topic can be resolved in this meeting or not and after you've done that you usually have like a checkout and everyone could say uh, what is your high impact commitment for the week uh, so you say okay this thing i will do if it's a daily meeting today or if it's a weekly meeting this week and then a quick if you still have time you can have a quick personal checkout say if you know what will you make my favorite question is what will you do for yourself today to make yourself feel happier or you know how will you take care of yourself this week this type of question always you know reminds people of their own needs and shows that the team um, cares about it so that would be like a quick run through of a happy meeting uh, i would do but that's, that's a cool question i would like to ask this to you right away what would you make this week to take care of your of your, your yourself nika so this week i'm giving myself enough sleep because I'm now in San Francisco and sometimes I have calls at like 6 a.m. <laughs> uh, but my my natural rhythm is more of an owl. So I'm you know staying up late. So sometimes after those meetings, they finish, they go like from six to nine or something. So sometimes I say, okay, I don't feel that well right now. So I'll go and sleep half an hour or one hour, you know, to recharge and then restart the day. So that's what I'm doing for myself to feel happier because I'm, I cannot feel that happy when I didn't have enough sleep. That's the, <laughs> my own self-care routine. No, sleep, sleep is so crazy important. Uh, all, right, all right. And then the other question I had on this is like, I'm always a big, like, I think a lot of there's things that have to be done by, by, by humans, especially where we're currently at with AI. But like there are certain tasks like that are repetitive and that can totally be done by AI. And I would I would say like uh, this like writing the protocol of a meeting is is a task that AI can perfectly do. That you have an AI uh, in the meeting as well and uh, listening to it and then writing a protocol for everyone that isn't doesn't have to take the time of of a of a person. That's just one idea. Like curious what, what do you think on this? But like. That was something that in in my teams probably we will like we don't currently write protocols but when we do we we'll probably give this to an a, a a a AI I would say yeah um so for me there are two parts of writing a protocol first is generally for you to remember what was said and you know how you've described the things so having AI for that for the general protocol is perfect if AI can then write also all the like you know action steps and summarize it perfectly then okay why not. Um, I always, I would rather go like for a mix, right? So it's like hybrid thing. You have AI writing all the protocols. So if you want to come back and read it, then you can do that. Like what was said exactly, because like protocol in my sense is not exactly word for word what was what was said, which AI would perfectly do, summarize. But for me, the protocol is about writing down who is doing what by when, what are exact next steps. And for that, it's better, in my opinion, to have a human being doing that, because first of all, it will it will bring more focus to the team. You know, like someone will actually, you know, uh, listen very actively. And I would do I would give it to a person who maybe is a little bit like distracted in the meetings, and uh, they would do it perfectly. You can always come back and say, oh, okay, what what exactly did you mean by this point? Right? If AI does everything, then it reduces the ownership of people for things that were discussed a little bit. Right, so kind of like a little bit old school. I, lo I loved it when I had uh, one person on my team, on this like nine people team, um, who was perfectly writing down, if we were saying, okay, the next step is this and that. 
we didn't even need to say it to him. He was always writing down the thing and we had like 10, 12 points with what exactly it needs to be done, who is responsible, by when does it need to be done. And we had this list and we're checking at every meeting from the last meeting. So that was working really well. If AI is able to do that, then it's good. Um, if AI is not able to perfectly summarize it exactly in this, you know, like what needs to be done, by whom, by when, if AI cannot do exactly that, or some things are getting lost, then it's not that nice. And I would rather have you know, a human just, just checking it and but making sure that- I always want to have like very, very clear, like who's like when you decide to do something, who is in charge of doing it, that a person gets like this on Slack or get an Asana task assigned to like, okay, you're, you're the leader of it. You're in charge of making, making this happen no? in, in this case. And um, for, for the leadership question where we can help in general is like, how 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 do you as a as a conscious and good good leader lead people so that they are more more, more happy in life and also towards to this like what are people's needs in the workplace to be happy like so how how can you be a leader who takes this into account and how do you how do you lead people so that they are more 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 happy at work? Mm -hmm. Let me start with this famous saying: um, there is like, be a leader you wish you had. And most most leaders, or like most, you know, Instagram quotes or like LinkedIn posts, they feature this quote. Maybe it's coming from Simon Sinek. I'm not sure. Like he is, yeah. he popularized it, I guess. But I say that it's not exactly correct. And I would say, be a leader your people need you to be, right? right? Because it shifts the focus from your personal needs to needs of your people and needs of your organization. Like be a leader your people and your organization need you to be. Because if I'm leading you or you're leading me with focus of my own, on my own needs, maybe I want someone to scream at me to be more productive, right? But, but you you hate it if you know someone talks with you in a, in a higher voice. So that would be the worst thing to do to lead you in the way I wish I was led, right? So the best thing is whenever you have a new employee, you're leading directly like your direct reports to have this meeting with them, which is also part of building psychological safety, as we talked about before. And ask them what, how do you imagine the perfect relationship with your boss? How would you, uh, like, what do you need to be happy in the workplace? What are your needs in general? You know, to to be productive and effective. How how do you prefer to be communicated to? Because some people say, oh, I don't check Slack that often. I want I want to commu communicate or WhatsApp with me. Some would say never call me. And some would say if you have something urgent, please call me because you know it's it's faster. So everyone has their own different needs. And it, of course, if you have fifty people leading their you're leading directly it's tough but if you have most people have five to six people as the, their direct reports and it's reasonable to remember good amount no like five to six is a good amount of people you, you're leading no? if it goes way above that it gets harder and below it doesn't make also too little so five to six is like a good exactly so seven seven from heaven people say like seven is the max amount you can actually you know keep in your mind and give enough focus and enough attention to and uh, yeah, so like you remember those specifics and then um, each month you're actually rechecking it and saying, hey, what kind of feedback do you have to me? You're, you're as no one expects from you <clears throat> as from a leader, you just start working with them to do everything perfectly. So that's why it's important to have those checkups every month. It's like I call it personal development talks. We can call them personal feedback talks or monthly one-on-ones, whatever. Um, like to always recheck if the person is happy, what you could do better. And if you've established psychological safety from the beginning on it, well, people will also be honest and, you know, you receive feedback, you give feedback to them. So that's the first thing. Uh, be sure, make sure that you actually address and understand 
personal needs of every person you're leading, if possible, if there's like this reasonable amount you're leading. Um, second thing, um, I could talk about, you know, general needs that people usually have that, that I try to implement through practices, through routines that make people in generally happier. First okay. is feeling of ownership. I realized that people feel much happier in the workplace and like, let's say in the Western culture, when they have, um, opportunity to contribute to the decision making they have a chance to participate in the co-creation of the plan of the strategy and some leaders they think okay i have to know everything i have to give people the clear direction but as especially millennials gen z you know younger generations they don't always expect you to have everything perfectly figured out as a leader that would appreciate much more if you include them into the process of co-creation so the word co-creation I came to see because I was leading mostly millennials and Gen Z, right? Like people from let's say the twenties to their like thirties, thirty-fives. For them, this feeling of co this process of co-creation was crucial to feel happier. So it's not just me coming and saying, Chris, you do ABC until the end of the month and you know, no conversation. Rather it'd be, hey Chris, we need to achieve this and that. What are your ideas and how can we do that? Um, could you please prepare a plan and idea of how you would do that? Let's go through it as a team. And then, you know, others can also give feedback. And then we have a plan which everyone had contributed to, and it creates more ownership. And usually this feeling of ownership leads to more fulfillment and more happiness in the job. That's what I came to realize throughout my leadership time, especially leading volunteers, just telling them, you know, do... ABC for the next half a year was not the most effective strategy for them to, you know, to keep volunteers who we are not paying for a long time there, but making sure that they're, that they're feeling that they were a part of the decision-making, that they were a part of the, that they were a part of the whole strategic creation. That was what held them longer there. So that's, that's one of the things. Second would be psychological safety. Well, we already talked about it a lot, so we'll not go back to that. But ensuring that people are feeling psychologically safe is actually the you know, the foundation. If you don't have that, it's very hard to, to do anything else. And other things, another interesting perspective for how to make people happier is to think what are things that make people unhappy and eliminate them and reduce them. Because there are some things um, you could think about it as temperature in the room if you go to the office and it's freezing cold right like all the windows are open you know it's it's winter you will not be able to focus on work because it's super cold right so you will first of all focus on things that cause you the most pain as a the human being and you will not like absence of warm temperature in the room will be your biggest problem you will focus a lot on that but if you come into the office and the temperature is neutral you're feeling okay then you will not even realize that that it's there so first of all reducing the amount of things that are not there or they're like disturbing people to the this neutral amount like for example a low salary could be disturbing people if i'm coming there and i'm thinking every day my salary is so miserable like i cannot even live from that that will be the the worst factor but if you want creative people if you want high performing people if you want the best professionals in the world you have to pay them right and if their the salary is right then it becomes one of these factors that people don't think about, right? They will start focusing more on, you know, on other things. And then this other side is how can they implement practices that help people to, to feel more, more fulfilled and give them more contribution at work and so on and so on. So this would be probably like the, you know, the basic things, eliminate things people are 
unhappy about <laughs> then implement things that make people more happy give them this opportunity to co-create to contribute to feel valued in the team yeah like um acknowledgement positive feedback making sure that people feel seen and appreciated by you psychological safety these would be like the main things that that uh, would make people happier to summarize it nice and and you also mentioned that uh like leading people in a non non non-profit or charity organization can can be a bit, bit harder you've already done this so like what 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 did you learn what you can share of like how to lead people in a, in a charity the first very important part is the mission because if you have the sense of mission common vision you know common values these are the three the the three elephants on which the, <laughs> the general motivation of people is standing right if they if they can personally connect to the mission of your charity or your company because i believe you can use similar principles which you're using in the charity and transfer them to the corporate world uh, you'll be much better leader directly right because some companies they think okay, i'm paying people why do i need to care about you know mission and values and vision i'm giving them money they should do the work but it's a very wrong approach right because people are complex human beings they have their emotions they have their feelings so it's very important to um look at those things and in volunteering if you don't do any of the things people will most probably leave very soon and we had in in the organization we had people contributing voluntarily like 10 plus hours per week which is pretty high commitment it's almost like you know a mini job people are doing next to their studies next to their partners and so on so this first part you need to make sure that the basics are there a clear sense of mission that people can personally connect to uh, clear vision what do we want to achieve together and what is your specific role in this vision so you as a member you need to know oh, okay i'm not just here you know chilling around i'm contributing through this specific role to this outcome of peace and fulfillment of humankind's potential that you know is a general mission and everyone in the organization has to understand their personal contribution and third one is values if people cannot connect to values of your company or ngo they will probably leave at one point it, uh, the values have to resonate at least some of the values have to resonate with some of the personal values and most of the things that's important they might be even resonating like this mission vision values with people but sometimes they don't understand it so it's very important to have those conversations have those sessions where people can personally connect to the mission of the organization and that will increase their performance and their their happiness in the team so that would be like the first layer um second layer is all about uh people's role and what they're doing functionally right they're like very clear job description very clear structure because even in ngos many ngos are very chaotic especially if you have volunteers for you know younger they most of them don't have any professional experience it's their first like you know more or less professional role and then they're very lost so you need to give them very good education you need to make sure that they understand that they need to develop, that they can develop, that these are the development opportunities for them. Because there is this saying in the job, you should either learn or earn perfectly. It's perfect if it's both, but if it's neither, you should leave. So then, Joe, if you're a volunteer, you should learn a lot so that it compensates the fact that you don't earn anything. And like your earning should be in this metaphorical sense of, you know, uh, acceptance, recognition, learning. Uh, so for me, it was always okay i'm connecting with the mission but i'm learning so much that leaving doesn't even come into consideration for me i'm learning everyday leadership and management and marketing and sales so 
making giving people a very clear job description, very clear role, a chance to contribute, uh, and like a clear clear structure of how things are happening. The more clarity people have, the less they are likely to leave the the company and the organization. And then it's about keeping it up and keeping the routines and giving people a chance to grow and constantly you know fulfill their needs. Some people don't want into leadership positions; they want to grow and like more. Um, horizontally, right? They want to expand their area of knowledge. Some people want to go into leadership positions. So it's important to make sure that people have a plan on how they get there, how they can get this vice president role or how can they become a manager. And then I will be working towards the specific goal. So having a common future for this person and for this organization is one of the factors that keeps people in the organization or a company for much longer than if they're there and they don't know what they were, what's what's happening next month. Are they getting fired? Is there you know now there are a lot of um, uh, firings happening in all around the world because of the financial crisis and stuff. <clears throat> so giving them this long-term perspective gives them this psychological and physical safety. Uh, so I think and and constantly having conversations with them, giving them feedback, receiving feedback from them, having this constant flow of information between the people, so that they feel okay. Mika is there; he's interested in me. He takes care about me. You know, my leaders uh, really give a damn about what I'm doing and and who I am. This gives people a lot of this personal connection, especially with the CEO, with you know person hiring, gives people a lot of feeling of belonging. And this feeling of belonging is what keeps people for a long time in the in the company. Exactly, feeling of belonging keeps them for staying for a long, long time. And also, in in your experience in in, in the charities where, where, where you were, because your uncommon advice on happiness was uh, with ser 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 servanthood is something that really provides happiness. So basically, working in a charity is servanthood and helping others. So um, were, were you seeing examples of like people? staying around very very long because they they just loved it so much to get the happiness from 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 helping very in these organizations and charities totally i mean i'm myself and i'm an example i've stayed i was volunteering for around four or five years like more intensely less intensely um, but i was at some points i was volunteering 20 plus hours per week which was a lot like i was not even studying that, that amount of time <laughs> uh during that time and like where i was working less at my job like my student job then i was doing stuff for isaac which was completely unpaid uh so i'm i'm example myself i have a lot of friends who were at the very end on my national team so i was the ceo they were my vice presidents who also stick stuck with the organization stuck in a positive way with the organization for like four or five six years and some people stay for, I think, like the international president, the highest rank in the organization. Some people stay like for eight, nine years. So they're, you know, going through the ranks from the local member to the international and, and president. They only leave because you have to leave at 30, you know? At, at, at 30, in this one, you have to, it's a youth organization, so you stay longer. <laughs> You're not young anymore after 30. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think uh, it's it's more, yeah, there, there is this limitation, but I think it's it's a little bit flexible for, you know, for employees of the organization. But if you're 40, then you will not be in the organization anymore. Uh, but yeah, and I also know a lot of volunteers who stayed for three, four, five years, even after their ter official terms finished, they were still engaging. They were still going to local meetings to, you know, give a speech or something. And uh, there is a huge alumni organization of ISEC, like thousands of people all around the world who are, you know, still going to conferences to just feel this feeling of belonging to the organization. 
right? Like people who are in their 70s, 80s. Even the founder of ISEC in Germany, he's uh, he passed away um, last year, I guess, but he was still coming to the conferences sometimes, you know, to connect with the younger generation because of this feeling of belonging, because of you know what he created was so important to him. And I see it a lot, like we, we say, once a nicer car, always a nicer car. Once you've been a part of the organization, you feel belonging even beyond the organization for the rest of your life. So even now I'm meeting some people and say like, hey, I'm, I was an ISEC and they say, oh, I was an ISEC too. And you directly feel this connection. So I know a lot of people who even beyond their active time at the organization still feel very connected and uh, you know still try to contribute either with donations or with uh, some you know workshops or keynotes or corporate connections for the organization. Uh, so the organization is very good. If you're good at creating this sense of belonging, people stay for a very long time just because they feel connected and they want to contribute even more. Nice. Thank you, thank you for, 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 for sharing for sh sharing that. And uh, yeah, also everyone from the audience, uh, also like, please, if you want to, if you want to learn, learn more about leadership, uh, check out Mika's podcast, uh, Le Leaders Tribe. And uh, Mika, so... Um, to to some 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 sum, sum it up, is there any? I mean, there's probably one thousand topics we didn't cover, but is, is there there's something that that you have very top of your mind? That's like, yes, I want really want to share this part on personal happiness that I haven't shared yet, and I would love for audience to know, or this part of uh, leadership of how how you can how can you be a good leader and therefore spread spread happiness. Mm. Um, I think we talked we covered a lot of it. To summarize it. Um, I would say that the best way to become more happy and you know, become a better leader is to ask yourself specific questions and look for answers. And the questions that I always ask myself is how can I make lives of others better? How can I make sure that I am at the right state of mind to make sure that I'm able to contribute to others better? So this is like personal happiness, personal well-being question. And how can I become a little bit better every day? To make sure that I can serve my mission, serve my purpose, and you know, make lives of others better. So this question of you know, how can I contribute? How can I make sure that I'm I'm functional in a way? And I'm like, because if you're unhappy yourself, then you cannot really help others in a in the long term in a sustainable way. And how this question of constant learning, how can I become better every day to make sure that you know I can fulfill my purpose and I can make lives of my employees or of my of my relatives of my partner better um and like this these three questions if you ask yourself these questions every day then uh, you're good to go and the gratitude question but uh, i believe that's like the, ba the base of happiness like what i'm grateful for because it helps to nourish you for for the rest of the of the things you're doing in life so that, that will be my my summary ask yourself these three questions and happiness will not be far away Yes, and exactly. So the last thing I, I can also just share again for my personal ex experience, uh, what a huge difference it makes for me. What I do is like I, I write down every morning uh, three things I'm grateful for, and then like uh, this summer there was a point and I was like, oh, I've been now doing since 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 eight years. It always takes five minutes, and like, do I still need it? And I was like feeling so happy, and I was like, I'm just gonna stop it. So then I actually st stopped it for a while. And then I, I really saw, I was like, oh, it's actually going down. And then, of course, I, I picked it back back up again. I was like, and right away, I saw that how my, my happiness, because I'm tracking that. And I really see how my how my happiness and inner peace levels increase again. So it's really like, it's a, for me, at least, it's a, it's a 
it's a habit I I will stick for until the rest of my life because it's something that makes such a big um, um, impact for me. And also this, so I, I'm, I'm not getting any commissions from them. Like I, I don't want to do those things, but like what I can really recommend is uh, the, the five five minute journal, not like what I used. But for example, now I'm, I'm traveling for, for a month. So it's quite a heavy book and uh, they made it very beautiful and nice, but I don't want to bring it when I travel. So what I actually found is uh, they have an app that I'm currently using and I can also recommend this to, to you and to all the listeners. Like, because uh, it's they, they, I used it once a couple of five years ago and it, the app was not so good yet. And I was like, I stopped using it again. I was like, no, I'm just going to carry a book. But now they made it perfect. Now the app is probably better than, than the book because I, I every day I upload like also a picture of like what I've done on the day and later you can have all of those those things so you can go back in it so like the app is called a journal it's like yellow just like like the podcast it's yellow and black uh, if you type in five minute journal or journal and um, I think it's for free or like five euros like it's like for, for life it's like very very cheap very very worth it but uh, for me this now having it and like I would normally write on my I ipad because i try to spend less time on my phone um plus also like you know a big ha happiness hack is deleting instagram like for me i also saw how i get happier when i delete instagram totally like, huge huge hack i even uh i even then i was like uh, i realized i spent more time on linkedin i was like yeah, maybe i should even delete linkedin, <laughs> linkedin as well <laughs> but uh, yeah yeah, yeah. It's uh that, that does make 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 a make a difference. But these like really the easiest thing like writing free free things down in the morning with you you're grateful for, wow, <laughs> it's huge, it's huge, it's huge. Um, thank you, thank you so much for also sharing in the end the three questions to ask them themselves every day and, uh, wow, I have so learned so much uh, in the past. Uh, uh, hour so thank you so much for uh, being being a guest uh, on, on on the podcast and uh, maybe for the last thing with if you w w want to share um you you can you have a choice of like sharing one thing in a whatsapp group where all humans of the whole world are they are, they are all in in this group and you can share certain statement or, or things with them like the group is like you're the admin everyone is like a uh, muted so no one is like <laughs> not eight billion people <laughs> spamming there but what, what if you want if you have something creative here what what, what would you you share in, in this group as your, your last 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 words yeah so i connect a lot to the message of your podcast where like part of it is peace right like peace you have it as they call it peace and happiness podcast and i love especially the part of peace because happiness comes from peace and i mean it's hard to be happy in you know in an aggressive or like war situation so my message i believe that humanity can actually survive and you know can can be very happy and fulfilled if there is peace so my message would be focus on your inner peace and put human life as the top priority because I believe that if everyone in the world would say human life is a non-negotiable priority, you know, we don't do anything that endangers human life, then people would rather gather around solving this pressing world issues rather than, you know, thinking of what what what's the next war they start or, you know, what's the next country they're going to invade. So this peace message is very important to me. I believe that if humanity would focus more on creating better life for everyone collaboratively, instead of you know saying how i can get a better life on expense of others i believe that the world would be a better place so that would be a message in general that i would share create peace 
support each other, collaborate, uh, you know, don't, don't make war, make love. That's <laughs> the general things. I think if that message would be in the head of every person, um, as it is like in our circle of <clears throat> friends, then, uh, then the world would be a much better place and would be much better off than, you know, having this wars and uh, useless conflicts that are happening currently. Jay, 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 Jay to that, that, uh, that's, uh, I think one of the most beautiful messages someone was sharing here in, in, in this podcast in the imaginary WhatsApp group for 8, 8 billion humans. So <laughs> thank you. True, true honor having so good people on, 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 on the podcast. Uh, and uh, yeah, also on behalf of the whole audience, really thank you for, for showing up, waking up early in San Francisco and, uh, and uh, teaching here. Thank you for the invitation and the opportunity to serve and i really love your podcast and listen to it once in a while and uh, always great guests and cool insights and i believe there is never enough of this type of content and um yeah hopefully you can reach all the 8 billion people with your podcast so that will be <laughs> top one yeah, podcast yeah. in the world i mean so you know the the, the uh on, on my, my vision and mission is like 8.5 million place so we will see that's uh that will go but of course if I would get better, I wouldn't stop. No, I would just like, okay, okay let, let's go for more. That's like the medium term uh, thing. <laughs> awesome. Fingers crossed to reach it as fast as possible. Yeah. I have some amazing guests and you who share so good. Uh, that's perfect. So, then, yeah. Everyone who's listening to this, uh, have an amazing uh, day or, or night, depending on whatever you, you play it, and uh, really enjoy and sending you so much inner, inner peace. <laughs>